Mom, I need to talk to you about Dean. Which Dean? Howard Dean, James Dean, or Jimmy Dean? Oh, too old, too dead, and too fattening. You don't have to tell that to my thighs. Can you ask her thighs if they borrowed my gap caprice? They did not, and they're insulted that you even asked such a thing. As insulted as Kitty Kelly when people accuse her of taking liberties with her best-selling tell-alls? Almost. Wanna make out? Absolutely not. Oh, you're so lying. I so am. Spoiler alert! This show show explores television content that's been available for consumption for quite some time. If a spoiler or two slips into the conversation, well, you were warned. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I saw you had a Neil Gaiman book there. Is that, do you like Neil Gaiman? I have Stardust, which I've, I read like a long time ago. Oh, okay. Um, and it's kind of lovely, like it's a fairy tale. Oh, really? Um, I I started, I never read American Gods, but I listened to about half of it. My sister has that book. Should I read it? That's it... considered his masterpiece. Like that's really? his, that's his Gatsby. Oh, okay. I listened to about half of it as an audiobook, mm-hmm. uh, as read by him. It's very dark. It's very ominous. Oh, really? Um, and it's also in ways that's like a fantasy. Yeah. Uh, like the main character's name is Shadow. Oh, okay. Um, but it's, I guess it's great. Although I guess, you know, I wasn't compelled enough to finish it to finish it though i kind of want to tim ferris's favorite book he always says is uh his favorite audiobook is the graveyard book by neil gaiman oh yeah which is apparently he says like the way he reads it is like really funny and yeah he's one of those yeah. um he, he's like a virtuoso of storytelling like he's yeah. one of those pe- one of those writers who people seem to love and they seem to be able to follow him in mm-hmm. spite of the fact that he he distinctly doesn't stick to one genre oh like, really like he'll do like a western and then he'll Whoa. do uh that like, never really happens no, with it's authors. Very, very uncommon. Then, like, you don't usually do like a crime book and then go to a fantasy book. Well, then... American Gods, it starts out he gets out of prison. Oh, really? And like crazy. Um, Stardust is like literally a fairy tale. Like mm. there are fairies and stuff in it. Right. And tales. Um, and tales. I think a lot of the characters have tales. <laughs> um and I, I don't like I don't that. I don't I think a Nancy Boys might be a like a legal thriller. Interesting. I th- I think and trying to think of his other books um this is also unusual uh good omens is a book that he wrote he co-wrote with terry pratchett like that's the thing you never hear of who's terry pratchett terry pratchett is another he's another kind of fantasy sci-fi novelist and and somebody who's who's highly respected and lauded oh this is really interesting in in his in his field yeah um i think maybe the bulk of his of his work is targeted slightly at a younger audience than than Gaiman's, but yeah. I, I mean, you hear about movies and TV shows that were co-penned, not a lot of novels. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. My my, uh, my sister has a huge selection of books, mm-hmm. and I sometimes steal from those uh, from that selection sure. just for my own personal use. And uh, I took one when I was home on Sunday, call, and it's by Charles Bukowski. And it's called Play the Piano Drunk Like a Percussion Instrument Until Your Fingers Bleed a Little Bit. I love that title. And it's, I thought it was a book, but it's actually just poems. Okay. But his poems are pretty hilarious. Was he a poet first? I don't Bukowski? know. I, I'm i I'm not really sure. He He's written like 18 books and not all of them are poetry books. Right. But he's like, he's gone by, right? Like he's oh not, yeah, he's, he's not... he died in the early 2000s, I think. Okay. Yeah, I kind of associate him with like, beat culture but maybe that's not correct. yeah that's, it's possible i think he was like i think in like the he was a big la guy yeah and he kind of seems like he was an la guy that lived in a shitty apartment and kind of lived a shitty life and hooked up with a bunch of women and drank beer and smoked cigarettes and threw these drunken angry tantrums <laughs> and that was kind of him that's funny yeah it, and like the poems he writes reflect that it's really funny. Well, it's funny we're talking about this now because, like, immediately after we turned off the microphones for last week's podcast, we start talking about Hunter S. Thompson, who was that degenerate, also. Yeah, yeah, totally. But he was a little bit more inspired. Uh, like, inspired? Yeah, like Bukowski. There's a, a definite hopelessness in what he writes. Whereas, you don't. You don't think Thompson is is bleak? Not no, not in this. They're in different leagues, I think. Okay, because I, I, I mean, I'm not that familiar with this work. I've just seen right. Fear and Loathing, the film, mm. and the other one. Um, but it, I kind of perceived it as this is why I act like a lunatic because nothing fucking matters. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of that. But he, well, I don't know that he even he never even says that. It's kind of just for you to 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 collect on. Sure. You know, I don't think he he never states. He, first of all, in any book, he never really says that he's acting anyway. 
except for maybe Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Well, and even then, though it's it's known to be autobiographical. Yeah. In order to not incriminate himself, right? To not implicate himself, he changes his own name in the story, right? Like that's what this that's what this Gonzo journalism is, right? Where he tells what happened. As if it were fiction, even though it wasn't. Right, but in Hell's Angels, it seems like he's more of kind of a bystander. Okay. To what's happening. Okay. It's it's weird. It's 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 not the same feel as Fear and Loathing. Is Bukowski lonelier than Thompson? Yeah, definitely. Okay. One hundred percent. Well, so, well, Andreas Thompson, I think, had a family. Like yeah. He had kids and a wife, and but Bukowski had a series of partners that he bailed on. And like, right, well, he writes poems about calling all of his exes. And Thompson wasn't fulfilled enough to not murder himself to, that's <laughs> to true, not end his but, own life. But I think people say he was fulfilled enough, and he just was in pain, so he was like, "Fuck this." Speaking of loneliness and um, and uh, great writers, mm-hmm. uh, have you started Infinite Jest? No, not yet. And suicide. Speaking of suicide, <laughs> this is off to a bang and start. What a so chat! Uh, no, I haven't started. We're supposed to start like de- December first. You're doing uh, Infinite Book Club. Yeah, kind of. We just we start. We saw a YouTube video about David Foster Wallace talking about irony, and then we all, me and my friend Alex, kind of became obsessed with David Foster Wallace for a day. It's fascinating. And we were like, hey, why don't we try reading this? But it's a thousand page book, so let's start in December. We like asked a couple of our friends if they wanted to do it too, just to try to try to kind of peer pressure each other into finishing the book yeah. in like fifty days. Why so don't like you twenty sh- pages a day? Just start with the girl with the curious hair, or like listen to Consider the Lobster. Why don't yeah, maybe you like I'll, maybe I'll do that. Just consume something that's that's sure. more digestible. Yeah. Oh, but but I see. I would try to start consider the lobster and finish it by december 1st and then just start reading infinite jazz consider the lobster is very short you could you could finish it this weekend oh nice um it's like an essay mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but uh I, I i just in my limited understanding it seems to me that that starting on infinite jest is like starting on okay computer or, uh, okay. or something even more out there than that. Interesting. It's, just, it's quite a hurdle. Did you get to any other Radiohead albums yet? No, but just because it kind of left my brain. Right. I intend to. It's In Rainbows I should listen to next? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. For the pretty factor. For the pretty factor. Oh, it's... And it, yeah, it sounds so cool. It's such a cool sounding album. Uh, and, and speaking of other depressing art, yeah. I, I finally watched uh, Don't Think Twice, the Berbiglia movie. Oh, how was it? Was it, it was depressing, eh? Yes. Oh, that sucks. I watched it in two parts last night and this morning. Don't get me wrong. It was super good. It's really good. It's, it's really good. Uh, it's just like, I mean, it's a movie about dreams not coming true. Right. That's, that's, the, sure. that's the premise of the film. Like, uh, Actually, I don't think I really knew that that was the premise. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, I mean, they're a, they're an improv troupe in New York City, right? Um, not unlike many of the ones that we hear about um, pre Saturday Night Live, and because it's an indie movie, they very overtly reference Saturday Night Live, but right. under the guise of a show called Weekend Live. Oh, like yeah. in in every other way, they make no effort to to disguise it. Like the they even. They even show the the theme song at the beginning and like they have a guy doing a Don Pardo impression. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's very clearly trying to anchor you in. This is their universe's version of Saturday mm-hmm. Night Live. And um, Keegan-Michael Key gets hired there. Right. And so he starts to get famous and it of course selfishly is very frustrating to the rest of them because he is getting to pursue his dream, which is also their dream and they're not. And right. then they're facing the the reality of, well, maybe I'm not good enough or more realistically, maybe being good enough is not all it takes. Right. Um, so yeah, it's kind of sad. That sounds a little bit sad on a happier note. I, I still want to see it. <laughs> Do it. You'll like it. And you'll, yeah. you'll also get it cause you're sure. a fan of that universe. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. I'll check it out for sure. Yes. And, um, I watched my friend recommended, he was like, have any of you watched Angie Tribeca before? And I said, no, but I'm super interested in it. It's that uh, Rashida Jones TV show. Oh. Have you not heard about it? It's no. a TBS show. Okay. It's on its second season now. I think the second season might might be done. Um, but it's a super like slapstick comedy style TV show. And it's like, Rashida Jones? It's Rashida Jones. She's yeah. in it. Yep. And she's she, the main character. Is she like the creator of it? Uh, I think she created it. I know Steve Carell like wrote the first episode wow. with some other comedy writer. What's the premise? 
she's a a cop and and the whole thing is it's her first well it's not it's her first day with a new partner that's the the pilot episode but it's think about like airplane or scary movie okay that's the kind of humor that they use in this show is it deliberately trying to call back to an older era no not necessarily it's just more the style of uh of kind of slapstick like the first scene in the show like she wakes up and she's running on a treadmill like it's like four four in the morning she's running on a treadmill and then she's doing like upside down um crunches Mm -hmm. from the doorway and then she uh starts like hitting the punching bag and it closes up on her hands and they're these big man hands like (laughs) holding the bag and then she goes to take a shower and I don't know. Before she goes to take a shower, it shows her punching the punching bag, and then she's just punching her fridge. Oh my god! <laughs> and like putting huge dents in it, and like kneeing her fridge, and then like kicks down this random uh, uh, library or this bookshelf, and then she goes to shower and starts like doing chin ups in the shower and throwing ninja stars, and then she like gets out to dry herself, and she just starts whipping the towel all around the room, <laughs> like, knocking over everything. And, so like, it starts out like a very typical workout montage yeah, and then it just gets insane and she's like punching a watermelon like it's just <laughs> on the top of a recliner and then she walks out like to go to work well first of all before she walks out to go to work she's putting on all this crazy like swat gear and like putting like a knife in her uh ankle and then she walks out and she's wearing completely normal like clothes like a blazer and, <laughs> and so they're every- breaking continuity as totally a, as a fixture of yeah, comedy 100 and there's like six or seven guys outside like there's a guy holding watermelons there's a guy with a new mirror there's a person with a new fridge like they're all there to like replace all of the stuff that she just broke like hi angie have a good day at work that's very slapstick thank you yeah it's it's really funny i'm curious to see that only because we're so used to her being like the straight man and everything she's always so measured right even in comedies like she can be funny by being being like a flat character well and she's she's still kind of kind of flattened like like straight and flat but the things she's saying are super ridiculous okay yeah it's great angie tribeca angie tribeca i don't know why i haven't heard of that before i thought you had like she's she's a busy lady she's doing a lot because we talked wrote that episode of black mirror yeah and remember you said that she wrote it with somebody else you couldn't remember who it was yeah it was mike sure oh really creator of parks and recreation yeah like sure and and gore dan gore yeah 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 yeah. Crazy. Um, that is very strange. And they I'm both still... write Brooklyn Nine Nine, I think. I believe so. Yeah. And Crazy. he, he also worked on The Office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so did she. Okay. Interesting. Man, I really want. She worked on The Office too. Oh yeah, she was actually on it. I Karen forgot. Filippelli. That was, that was how she started. She yeah. loved Jim. She was Jim's Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh, almost spilled that. Um, other than that, I think that's pretty much the new. Uh, the new media that I've been consuming. What'd you think of SNL this weekend? I thought it was really good. Who hosted again? Kristen Wiig. Oh, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good too. Thanksgiving. Yeah. That was like, and that normally was a catchy song. It's kind of understood. It's kind of thought of actually that a musical number is the lazy thing to do when the host isn't funny. Right. And they had this, like you said, it's, it had a great hook. Yeah. It was very creative and, and clearly boasted a lot of hard work. Yeah. I thought it was a really funny opening number. Yeah, Will Forte and Steve Martin got out there. Yep. It was really good. And then they went straight into the bubble skit. Yeah. Which was basically, it's Brooklyn. <laughs> and you can read read websites like HuffPo and Daily Cause and nothing else. Nothing made me laugh harder in the full 90-minute show than in Weekend Update. I think, I think it was Colin Jost's line. He says, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. He narrowly defeated his longtime rival, Dwayne the Scissors, Scissors Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I, I still think that's funny. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. I I think I laughed the hardest at the uh, uh, Kittens Are kittens are We skit. Oh, that is funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me just adjust that. Uh, Carol, that's my nipple, and I think you know that. <laughs> they were both so funny. In Have they done that sketch together before? No, I think they... That Kate McKinnon has done it with a lot of other people. I've seen her do it before. Yeah, she's definitely 
And I think she's definitely done it with like a normal cast member and had someone come out as a guest. I find that voice hilarious. Yeah. Like that really toothy voice. Yeah. Because one of the reasons I've always leaned on perhaps the other side of the fence with Kate McKinnon is because I, I, I find she overdoes the Russian accent. Right. Like she has like four characters that have Russian accents. Yeah. So in my mind, I've kind of perceived her as a one trick pony, but she has other things that just don't get utilized often enough. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, what other skit was really funny in that? I kind of forget. I mean, they, they had to do the callbacks. I was kind of surprised they didn't do like the target lady. The one that they yeah. did was, uh, was the, Karen, the surprise. Yeah, I can't the keep a secret lady. Yeah. 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 That was funny. Yeah, that was really funny. Yeah, overall, I thought it was a really good show. I thought Alec Baldwin was good. He has now said he'll be around to do the character yeah. this year, but he's not. He said, I'm not going to do it every week. I hate that. Really? Yeah. Do it every fucking week or don't do it at all. I, I, I know that he doesn't think he was going to be on all year, but didn't he sign a contract? And they're obviously going to want a presidential skit every week. You can't tell me otherwise. They do that for at least the first year of every election. I don't really blame him. I think I think they need to I think the show would be wise to establish a new Trump right mm-hmm. now. I right. know I know Alec Baldwin's done a great job and everything. Oh no, I'm not saying I blame him. I'm but I'm saying yeah, I think the show would be smarter to get someone who could play Trump. Yeah, I, I I think they I really think they just hired Baldwin cuz not because they knew he'd be good, right. although he would be. Yeah. More than anything, namely because they didn't think they were going to have to use him all year long. Mm-hmm. Although the flip side of that is even if he had lost the election, he was going to keep being a maniac at least until April. Right. You know. That's true. Bill Simmons said something really funny uh in the vein of like doesn't Alec Baldwin have to kind of be a little bit like Trump in order to to do that impression so well, which I don't necessarily believe, but I think the point he was making was how Alec Baldwin is kind of a jerk. He is an like, asshole. Like yeah. people know him as a jerk. Definitely. And like definitely not a super reasonable guy. Like didn't he didn't he like call his daughter out for something? He call called her, her a like, little piglet. A little piglet. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not a a nice thing to do like, not i don't nice. think you're necessarily a good human you shouldn't do that but anyway but he's talented oh totally talented yeah it's weird to it's like it's weird to consider that once upon a time he was a heartthrob like now he's yeah. just kind of this like bloated guy who's a good actor that is kind of interesting but he used to be like chest hair and yeah even watching like the hug scene after the after the show is done he was kind of just like awkwardly standing all in black. I feel like Lauren was like, get out there this time after the show. And like, you know, hug Kristen Wiig. Well, when Tom yeah. Hanks hosted a couple of weeks ago, yeah, um, he was rattling off the names because you thank everybody who was a special guest. And he, he thanked Alec Baldwin and he looked around the stage for Alec Baldwin. Oh, did he? And you can, he even says, must already be at home in bed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah. That's Alec- my favorite part of every episode. I know. The curtain call. Dun, dun. My friend, I just feel happy walking away. My friend Michael learned to play that on the piano. No way. He's a fantastic piano player. Yeah. And uh, it was like right in when he was especially obsessed with Saturday Night Live. And he <laughs> learned to play like the closing number. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could see me wanting to play saxophone for that reason. I've been thinking what a shame it is that I didn't stay in piano lessons. I've been thinking about that more in the last month than I have in the last decade. Man, I bet you could get a, a keyboard for like 50 bucks yep. and do okay at, at YouTube keyboard. videos and a for dummies book. Yeah. 100%. Probably YouTube videos alone. Yes. You could do it. I know. Well, and just enough to like know some chords, just like to accompany yourself. Yep. Like I play the guitar a little bit already. Yeah. You'd be, f- you'd be totally fine. I think it's a, a shame that I didn't stay in that. Cause it's such a great instrument. Mm hmm. But again, I think piano is way easier than guitar. It is. Well, piano is the most efficient instrument ever created. Right. Like it was designed. Literally play everything. It was made to be like literally every note is in order. Yeah. Like uh, on on one big, very accessible board. Yeah. (laughs) Called a keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) All the keys in order on this board. The only thing that makes guitar difficult is that it kind of hurts at first. But once you Mm -hmm. understand... A lot Why you're hurt at first, and then you get used to it, you're right? And then it just hurts being an artist. Yeah, exactly. After that, once you understand why you're putting your fingers <laughs> there, it's drugs. very easy. The thing about the guitar, and the reason so many dude bros play it, is because <laughs> you can learn to play three chords, and you can play every rock and roll song ever. Sure. And like, 
the reason people stay in guitar lessons is because the first song you learn to play is like Wild Thing or Knocking on Heaven's Door mm-hmm. instead of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Right. Yeah. That's a good deduction. And I think that I'm never going to play guitar again. Why? I'm just joking. You bought a guitar when we were living together? Yeah, I, I still have it hanging up in another room. I haven't picked it up. You don't always have to hang it up in the room that you're in. It can, it can be in another room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't feel as bad anymore. I should be hanging it in the room I'm in at all times. Can you move the guitar? Would, I'm going I, in here. I would play it more that way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe someday. Yeah. It's a, even with me, like it's, it's a phasey old thing. I'll not sure. play it for sometimes six months. Yeah, then you'll get right into it. Do you want to do these uh, shows? Yeah. The one... Oh, my God. We're 20 minutes in already. Um, <laughs> I know. I noticed that last week. We did the same thing. We had a 20 Did you listen last intro. week? I listened to, to a little bit into the first 20 minutes, I think. The Chappelle then, one. Yeah. What did you think about me sticking a piece from Letterman at the front of it? I loved it. Was that okay? Yeah, that was great. I thought if I could like find something that was kind of fitting for each podcast. Actually, what, what was that again? Because I remember listening to it being he, like... Oh. It, was, it was about two years ago. He was on Letterman. They were talking about that legendary time when he right, put the Chappelle show. Right. Oh, that was perfect. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was I thought it was it kind it of spoke to Dave Chappelle. Explained why he didn't take the money. The rumor today, so it came out two days ago that he's releasing three comedy specials on Netflix. Amazing. I don't know if that's like a deal for over the next three years or, sure. or what it is, but, but there's gonna be three. For the series of three of them, yeah. the rumor is he's getting paid sixty million dollars. Oh really? Which is more than the Comedy Central deal. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder with inflation if it's worth <laughs> as much now as fifty million was in like two thousand five. Isn't it no, weird? Two thousand like three. Isn't it weird the way brands come and go? Like, there's a good guy who was like noticeably absent for a really long time, and mm-hmm. like it's it can't be a coincidence that he struck up a Netflix deal two weeks after his. Like, did Lorne Michaels bring him onto the show as part of the? Look, we need to we need to put my brand back out there and make sure people are ready to see me again before he signs the Netflix deal. Maybe that was it, but I think he could have done it at any point and it's if he would have just randomly dropped it, like if he would have woken up tomorrow, everyone would have been posting about I it. I think people you're right, but I th- I think it's more valuable that he hosted Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and that it was successful. Yes. For sure. Definitely. For sure. Everyone loved his opening monologue. Well, and he, he just couldn't have come back for a better episode. No. I mean, it was the the ultimate American yeah. Um, franchise discussing yeah. the ultimate American moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I'm still really into that Tribe Called Quest album. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's solid. Um, but the shows. Yeah. Speaking of a Tribe Called Quest, <laughs> Gilmore Girls and Golden Girls. <laughs> two <laughs> tribes of their own. Right. On a quest, certainly. There's uh, no real reason to pair these two except for that they both have the word girls in the title and they're both alliterative g well you wanted to do gilmore girls because it comes back on netflix this week yeah so i mean the original series is already on netflix yeah um, oh, is it? Okay. and has been for some time they have a something of a reboot or an anthology series coming out on friday called gilmore girls a year in the life and all it is is a series of four 90 minute episodes oh that catch you up with lorelei and rory eight years after their series finale Oh, so it's not I like they're no doing a, a new season. Oh, whoa, okay. They're just kind of reintroducing you to the characters, but it's gotten a tremendous amount of buzz through um, tabloids and, and entertainment culture because because Gilmore Girls is one of those cult shows that is almost religious among its fans. Yeah, definitely. Jen watched the first episode with me and was like just short of quoting everything that people were saying. So she's been through it a number of times. Yeah, yeah, she like loved it. I, I, I don't know what it is. It seems in every way like the kind of show that I'm supposed to really like. Like yeah. it's this sensitive show where everybody is like brainier than real people are. Sure. And, it's almost uh, like kind of Sorkin-y in a teen girl kind of way. Well, and that's another point I wanted to make. You, you hear all this talk about how they talk really fast on that show. I don't, think it, I don't think it was really portrayed as much in the first episode. Alexis Bledel talked pretty fast. Yeah. I noticed that. But I, I mean, I've seen the whole first season. Oh, have you? Um. But by and large, I watch it going, have I just watched too much Sorkin stuff or are these people not talking as fast as everyone <laughs> says they do? <laughs> You're like, this is pretty slow, guys. Yeah, come on. Get on Sorkin's level. No, I think it I think it speeds up a little bit because there was times where I was rolling my eyes watching it with Jen and because it was like, I want to go to go there. I want to go with it. Right. Like it sounded like you're almost fast forwarding something and pausing it. Well, and coffee's a big part of the the aesthetic of the show, right? So I don't know. Like they, it was the first 
vignette you see in the series, yeah. she admits she's had five cups of coffee and she's mm. desperate for more. Right. Which I found really, like, really <laughs> really weird. Really cheesy. Yeah. yeah. You have a problem. I'm obsessed with coffee. At, at the end when he like judges her 16-year-old daughter for drinking coffee at night. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Becky was like, that was kind of inappropriate. And I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. This is he dangerous. Right. Yeah. She shouldn't be. She's 16. She shouldn't be drinking coffee at night. I was kind of happy that I watched it. So at least when Jen has a rerun playing from now on, I understand who all the characters are supposed to be. Yeah. Like Lorelai is kind of the older, the, the mom who's young and also uh, kind of seems like she has an affinity for being slutty. Well, like, and, and that's like her words, not mine. I kind of saw it in like almost a family ties-esque way. She is more loose and youthful than her child. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of like the roles had switched and like Rory almost has to look out for her mom a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. And they're really more like sisters because they're close in age. Right. I think that's that's the conceit of that's, the show. That's 100% it. But you don't necessarily catch that from a later episode. Yeah, maybe not. Because the mom's not necessarily doing anything like super, I don't know, Lorelai's not being a crazy, crazy wild lady. No. I mean, she wears short shorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And exactly. like there was one line of dialogue where she got Rory the skirt for the boarding school. She really wanted to like make she, it super short. She wanted her. to hem it for her daughter. And she's like, it, they like struck up a deal where. Yeah. Where Rory didn't want it hemmed at all and they compromised. And it's like, it was kind of this weird thing. Anyway, it's a, it's a long way of me saying, I feel like this is exactly the kind of show that I'm supposed to really love. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't do it. I've, I've seen that pilot three times and I've seen all of the first season and I couldn't care less. Really? I don't care. I didn't know that you'd seen it that much. Yeah. Cause Why I tried. Cause it yeah. was, I was so aware that it was this cult favorite right. that, that people who got into felt really intimate with. Mm-hmm. And I'm never above like girly stuff. Sure. Um, so I, actually, I thought for sure it was for me, and I tried and I tried and I. Jen and I said that actually when I sat down, I was. She said, "Has Sweets ever seen this?" I just kind of went, "I'm assuming," <laughs> <laughs> but that's, but that's like again, just kind of based on what you said and and the clever writing of the show or the so-called clever writing of the show. I figured you would be a fan already. Yeah, and, and like I'm not saying it's not clever writing. I, I don't I don't know what I'm saying. Right. I, I mean I found I find all the characters other than the two Gilmore girls to be annoyingly archetypal. Mm -hmm. Like well, like her parents. And it's funny because yeah, her parents for sure. And a par Jen said like as Sookie was in the kitchen lighting everything on fire and cutting herself and stuff. Yeah. She, Jen goes. This doesn't stick at all. Like this isn't a defining trait. Really, sucky after the first she's season. She's not like clumsy. First episode. No, interesting. She's just a normal person. I can't get past that her name is Sookie. I know. Give me a break. I know. There's another show where there's a character named Sookie. Uh, the um, True Blood. <laughs> I was gonna say Jersey Shore. No, I realize that's Snooky. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. It was uh, you know what? If there's a show that Jen's watching that I end up walking in on i would probably prefer that to some of the other shows that she watches i don't find it offensive i just find it a little bit and this sounds pretentious but it, it, i find it a little soulless like i'm like i don't buy this this is i don't yeah i don't sure. believe for a second this is real and right. there are some shows where you're happy to admit they're not real that's why you watch them right and this is almost like one of those shows where you you're intended to watch it wishing your life was like this and i don't is that is this almost one of those probable impossibility versus impossible oh, that's, probability that's questions yeah yeah it's very conceivable that people could talk that fast but would they yeah and that they do is annoying right i realize the the inconsistency with my preferences here because i love west wing so much <laughs> but i mean even the relationship between mother and daughter yeah yeah i guess so i find i, don't, I, don't I find think, it forced yeah i don't think that a daughter ends up i don't think that a mother ends up putting the daughter in that good of a situation if she's actually kind of that careless i know that's supposed to be the dynamic of the show is that she worked hard and found this job but yeah she seems too nonchalant and she seems irresponsible and also kind of addicted to coffee which if you're gonna get addicted to coffee you've probably been addicted to something else maybe opiates <laughs> wait a second <laughs> hey Are i'm we just uh, uncovering a beeline through the seven years of I gilmore think girls probably around season three you're gonna see 
some hair on going in there. That's right. Gilmore Girls, a year in the life Mm -hmm. of someone in rehab. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 60 days in, Gilmore Girls style. Um, So anyways, I don't know. It's Again, I wasn't super offended by it. Uh, It was a decent, decent watch. Yeah, it was it was okay. Like yeah. I, th- I think I think things. That, one of the things people like to discuss uh, as fans of the show is which which boy who Rory was with mm-hmm. is the right one for her. Right. Like in kind of a Sex in the City type way. Like, yeah. um, so they had what's his name from Supernatural who was in the pilot. Okay. Um, I don't know what his name I, is. I didn't know who he was either. He was the he was the guy who she was. Yeah, sure. I she, just, I just didn't know while I was watching it. And then Chad Michael Murray. Remember Chad Michael yeah. Murray? He becomes the other guy who I believe she ends up with in the end of the series. Spoiler alert. And then there's another dude who was, uh, who was, I don't know. He played Tucker Max in a movie, like okay. a made for TV movie. I forget what his name is. Who is Tucker Max? Little blonde guy. Uh, Tucker Max is like a a blogger. He's kind of like a bro blogger. But he blogged about you. You should really just take ten minutes and read some of his blogs. But like, he was a uh, within the last ten years, he was a huge phenomenon. Okay, he got so many hits to his blog page for just telling these really outlandish stories about going out and getting drunk and hooking up with someone. And I think he was in like law school, but he was just kind of a sex fiend. And also, uh, is he depraved? Like, is that what's exciting uh, about it? I. Well, I'm sure he's depraved, but I don't know what's <laughs> what he's excited about. Well, I don't know what's exciting about. It. I think it's just how insane the stories are. Okay, like the stories are almost like urban legends that you hear. Like a friend of a friend ended up, you know, finding this guy. I don't even want to like start describing it. Sure, but just check out the blog. Tucker Max. Tucker Max. What a bro name. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is his last name actually Max, or is it just like he's at he's at the Max? I don't mean I'm the Max like sure. Saved by the Bell. I mean I, like I don't know that much about him. Okay, but we'll we'll check out Tucker Max after the after the podcast. Okay, I'd be happy to introduce you to it. All right, thanks, I haven't man. I haven't even mentioned mentioned that name in so long. That's how it was a deep cut. Yeah, it was a deep cut. But I remember my friends in university like talking about it. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is coming back for these episodes as well. I suppose it was an easy commitment for her to make. Yeah, but she has interestingly become a movie star mm-hmm. since that series ended. Yeah, she's like the biggest star. Yeah, um, easily. So she was initially not invited back. Right. She was There's invited back. Thing. She was invited back after she had publicly made a comment that she found it weird she wasn't invited back. Right. And so she is going to be on it after. Maybe they just thought like does doesn't a part of you say. Oh, but she's like a huge movie star now. You almost don't want to go and ask her to. You don't be want to put her in the show. position. Yeah, I guess. But like, I don't know. It. I. I haven't seen enough of the show to know whether or not it's even necessary that she comes back. Like, right. I don't like when a good example is Girl Meets World, which I, in spite of myself, have seen a handful of episodes of. I've mm-hmm. seen the episodes where people came back. Like I right. wanted to see what the, what it looked like when Eric came back. So right. I watched that one episode. And it wasn't good. It was I mean it was fine. They they're actually doing a very good thing with that show. I think oh, really? I think it looks good. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Um but that they brought back Mr. Turner and they brought back Minkus. And they're just like they're Oh, Mr. Turner was like the cool young teacher. Yeah, who yeah. got in a motorcycle accident yeah. and clearly the storyline was he was supposed to have died. Oh yeah. But they Whoa, they didn't they brought him back. They didn't directly say that he died. <laughs> so they brought him back. And so it's just stunt casting. Right. Which and is, Minkus is in it. Minkus is in it. It's it's just stunt casting, which is silly because the the target audience of the show doesn't know who Mr. Turner is. No. On the other hand, it's kind of fun and it makes mm-hmm. for a good YouTube clip or whatever. I get it. But if Sookie wasn't like wasn't really important to Gilmore Girls and you couldn't and you could understand why she wouldn't necessarily be in their lives eight years later, yep. then don't bring her back. Yeah. But they did. <laughs> but they did. And yeah, I don't know if I'm upset about that or not. I don't have enough to be upset about. I don't have I don't have an opinion. Yeah. I guess when it comes down to it, we're just a couple of Gilmore girls in, in this crazy Gilmore world. It's just like that. Here we are in Stars Hollow. <laughs> yeah. In the Stars Hollow that, of Clayton Park. Is that what it's called? Stars Hollow? That's, yeah, that's the name of their town. Okay. I another, know. Another weird thing. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, why, does, why do all these shows, I don't know, it just seems like they all take place, 
the the town that this show takes place in is the same town that every Hallmark Christmas movie takes place in. That I I mean I just find that there's like a weird fuzzy gloss over <laughs> every. Well, there lens. literally like, probably was because the, there's like fake snow over everything, and I know. Well, and and like I had read online that the little town they shoot it in, which might not even be a real town, or maybe it is, mm-hmm. um, is the same setting they use for um, uh, what's it called. Rosewood in Pretty Little Liars. And okay. as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, it totally is. And a thing that Becky and I have always laughed about with Rosewood, and we've watched seven years of that show, mm-hmm. um, is why is it always fall in Rosewood? Right. Like, if this this is one continuous storyline, it's always fall Someone in Rosewood. Someone made that point about The Walking Dead on a podcast last week. Really? They were like, I just want to see one season where there's no leaves on the trees. <laughs> it's always summer and everyone's always super hot. Well, they like, film it at the same time of year every year. Exactly. That's the thing. And I... I I appreciate when shows like like at least Shameless, which is weird, it takes place in Detroit, mm-hmm. but they'll have a season where it's literally summer, winter, fall. It's it's clearly all all taped in That's LA. Cool. Yeah. But they make such an effort for it to be. That's really nice. Like I yeah. think of Girls, Girls is clearly taped in the summer in right. New York. Like yeah. it's very vibrant. Mm-hmm. And and fall it, autumn kind of suits say pretty little liars. It's this like murder mystery show that's kind of spooky for teenagers like the fall is kind of spooky right um and at the same time it's also it suits gilmore girls in an entirely different way right so i get it um yeah the theme song video is the other thing that is so hallmark you know you know what i was laughing at was some of the soundtrack and the fact that they mentioned macy gray more than once i know and that is going to be stuck with that pilot forever and she was a one-hit wonder who might have who might be dead now she's not dead she's not dead no she's still with us but but yeah it was actually kind of a funny scene when they both just hit uh whatever that song is called her i try i try yeah do we does that song play on mix at all? It could. I was kind of thinking, like, why doesn't that song play? It could. It would be the exactly the kind of song that would make people go, "Oh yeah, cool." That was a huge song. Yeah, and it's a good song in the year two thousand. Like, it's a really good song. But you're right; it kind of dates the show a little bit. Yeah, and also, like, she says something. They don't just reference Macy Gray. She says something about I lost my Macy Gray CD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like, why is that one of your most prized possessions? Right. That's also not in keeping with your character who's reading her first Melville. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And the Macy Gray CD was like, I think it was, I think I remember someone telling me in grade six when it first came out. So I don't even know that this is true, but I think I remember someone saying like, yeah, the Macy Gray album is actually like really dirty and like, <laughs> crazy. Like it's pretty explicit. Except it's, for I try to ex- say goodbye. And, and I don't. Then, exactly. Yeah. And then there's that song that was just clearly the, main single are there other examples of artists like that who their their one big single is not indicative of their catalog i don't know i i, I, mean, I know I, think I know there are i mean speaking of radiohead there are some people like hardcore radiohead fans would really take umbrage with creep being their iconic single yeah yeah um definitely. but they're they're i don't think any one song can define their catalog uh i don't know if you That's can true. think of any any band that that uh that kind of can be described that way. Tweet us at Show Show Podcast. Mm, that'd be great. And we will name drop you next week. Sweet. Jamie Harper. Yeah, Jamie Harper liking the <laughs> tweets. He always does. Yeah. He, he is one of maybe two or three. I saw there was another guy who liked a tweet that you made today. You know what? For this. You know what's funny? What? So I tweeted earlier this afternoon um, that the shows we're going to be discussing on tonight's podcast are Gilmore Girls and Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. And I hashtagged both of those things. Oh, yeah? And so I went to that guy who liked the tweet, and he is a B. Arthur artist in New, <laughs> <laughs> no. in New York I, City. Like I he, thought it was maybe someone you went to school with. No. He's his, just on Twitter liking his, everything. His career about centers Girls. around B. Arthur work. <laughs> That's so weird and hilarious. So I'm definitely going to hashtag Gilmore Girls when I post this. And Yep tweeted at that guy yeah oh my god that's great did you watch the first episode of golden girls i just watched it man and it was so much better than i thought it was It was pretty funny it was pretty funny i laughed i think out loud yeah a couple times it was edgier than i thought it would be yeah like, yeah definitely like sex jokes and like i i read online although i noticed it myself for the era openly gay characters is kind of cool i was i was gonna ask about that was that something that was 
really taboo at the time i don't know you know about taboo i mean it was 1985 but right. for them to have a character who is like flamboyantly gay yeah and they're not like dancing around it they're not they're not i mean there were, estelle getty <laughs> did call him fancy man the fancy man and she was hilarious she was it. hilarious she also called him petunia he's an okay petunia yeah <laughs> yeah like th- those are hilarious slurs you know what i i heard one of the writers um on nerdist one time i think one of the Gilmore Girls like main writers, and then I think he wrote for like Frasier or something after. Okay, but he was Matt Meyer was a big Frasier fan. Yeah, yeah, but he was super funny. Okay, like very funny, and I remember him quoting some of the lines that he wrote for the show and thinking that they were really funny lines. And then watching this show, and I would take this show over the Big Bang Theory any day. Me too. Like I do not think Big Bang Theory is funny at all. I thought the show had good laughs. I watched my first episode of the Big Bang Theory in like a couple years just yeah. last week. Like I, I watched it for probably the first four years it was on. Really? Um it was kind of in something of a a sitcom like the the multi camera studio audience show was still a pretty thriving beast in its yeah. first half, I think. Right. Like How I Met Your Mother and mm-hmm. Rules of Engagement. Like there are a couple of shows, and if you were okay with the format and its inherent cheesiness, there were some decent ones on. Right. And even the first couple of seasons of The Big Bang Theory were smart. Um, but oh my god, I couldn't I couldn't believe how bad it was last yeah. week. Yeah. It was. Oh wait, you couldn't believe how bad The Big Bang Theory was. Last yes. Week? First of you, all, you just watched a random episode. I, I was at my parents, and they were putting it on because uh, okay. they're keeping up with it. And they're like, do you want to watch this? I was like, sure. And so, I mean, for one, not enough has moved on with these people. No. Like, I mean, Sheldon and, no, uh, Penny and Leonard are married now. And. I didn't know that. Wallowitz is married to his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Mayan Biala character is. Like she's, and and same with the 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 Sheldon character. These are not. I don't see any they humanity. Haven't changed. I don't see any humanity in these characters. <laughs> Jim Parsons looks old as fuck now. By the way, <laughs> does he? Yeah, Kaylee Cuoco still looks pretty good. Yeah. But Jim Parsons looks fifty years old. Really. And so like that, he's in this little apartment. They've got their cute roommates and everything, and yeah. like he wears his Flash T-shirts. I'm sorry. It's starting to get weird. Yeah, it's starting to get weird. Yeah. I, and I never found that I found the show so frustrating to watch. Like maybe it was just because of the laugh track. Maybe I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I didn't find it funny. I do think they it's have a studio funny. audience. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm quite sure. You know, what's weird. I, How I met your mother does a weird thing in, in spite of not having a studio audience. Well, well, they sort of did. It just wasn't live. What they would do is they would tape the episode cold and then they would show it to a test audience. And oh, it, yeah, and then they would record, record the, the laughter. laughter. And they so, would key it up higher sometimes. And... Well, and like that's what they do on like 22 Minutes. Like if you oh, really? if you go to a taping of 22 Minutes and then you watch the show back, you're like, yeah. that was not what we were People laughing at. laughing that hard. Yeah, yeah, but at least that way they don't have to use box laughter. Sure, yeah. So it is a little bit better. And, and I've never found the the audience laughter in How I Met Your Mother to, to be over the top or no. corny. No. I think it works. Yeah. Is there a, um, a studio audience in Seinfeld? Um, yeah, I think there was. There's audience laughter in that yeah. show, right? Oh, there's definitely audience laughter. Isn't that a weird premise? Yeah. Like, when you think about it, like, it, I mean, it's a thing that's been around for 50 years, but like, or 60 years, but isn't it weird that we watch shows on TV that are plays being taped? Well, yeah, that's weird, too. And the other thing that's weird is... And they is, have to tell you when to laugh? Is a lot of people did that or like the laugh track yeah because it it's like a cue for you to laugh like oh i'm supposed to find this funny well i'm sure you've seen it before but people have edited out the laughter in the big bang theory right we've talked about this before it's haunting yeah it's It's haunting super scary uh but (laughs) back to back to golden girls yeah all around i was just kind of like this is this is cool this is pretty good i think we were talking about coco is is the cook's name the gay cook like there (laughs) there might have been a gay character in happy days or like um oh three's company like i don't know if they ever like no there wasn't a gay, gay no but he pretended company. he was gay sure yeah. for the and like they would i don't think they said gay like i think they just they put him in weird tennis shorts oh. and it was implied right um for the same reason that fonzie wasn't allowed to wear a leather jacket for the first three episodes of happy days he had to wear a golf jacket because certain things are too edgy for television right 
Not ready for TV. Aaron Sorkin likes to talk about uh, this famous television myth. Some executive at CBS in the 50s famously said that there are a few things you'll never see on primetime network television. Um, A Jewish person, (laughs) a man with a mustache, a divorced woman, and a person living in New York. And and Aaron Sorkin's like, that's, that's really every funny. show. That's really really funny. But he, I've never when heard he, that before. it was it's so preposterous. But when he said it, that was like that was declarative and maybe a little bit out there. But it was like him saying, "Look, for better or for worse, America's never going to accept these things on a television sure. show right away." Yeah. Or is it, yeah, you meant like the point that that uh, that dude. Uh, fucking why can't i think of his name the dude the, the director of so that the point that sorkin was trying to make yes that's what i meant okay the point that sorkin was trying to make was just like hey look people said this wasn't allowed at one point so I don't really believe the rules that that people will lay out for shows yeah i guess yeah i mean i think he was just like making a prophecy i think he was just saying look no matter how far we come this we're never going to be here right Okay, gotcha. Um, what did you think was the funniest part of Golden Girls? Uh, I, you know what? I I don't know. I thought, I I mean, I thought it was. I thought they were pretty good. Like again, a little bit archetypal. Like mm-hmm. definitely that there's the token dummy who is Betty yeah, White. Like the, every sitcom seems to have to have a simpleton. Right. I think that's a little played out. Although it was a different time. Yeah, I didn't know that that's what she was in the show either. She is though. I think. Yeah. Um. I, I really thought B. Arthur was quite funny. Yep. And I've read a lot of stuff today about how B. Arthur apparently did not get along with the rest of the cast. Oh, really? Like, she had to be coaxed on board even in the very beginning. Yeah. The show was only supposed to be five years, and then they were able to convince her to do two more seasons after that. But when they did a spinoff, which was the Golden Palace, I think, oh. she didn't return, but okay. the other three did. And um, she, Betty White has talked about it a lot, about how they were never close. I think Betty White's been pretty... Um, pretty uh respectable about it pretty right pretty classy about about their their famous not being friends but somebody else floated a rumor that b arthur called betty white to see you next tuesday on set one day <laughs> oh really yeah so i wow. think she might have been real mean you know what i thought was maybe the part that kind of struck me the funniest in the show was when they just walk outside and the grandmother is asleep and uh, she just puts a mirror under her nose, like as if to see if she's still breathing. <laughs> like she was totally prepared to just. Uh, Isn't it interesting that it's, a, it's a show about a group of women who are on in their years, and they still have a generation gap? Yeah, like it's not a group of four gal pals who are all in the same retirement community. In fact, like three of them are just kind of about to get old. They're not even old. No, yet. I, yeah, and one of them is their mom. I didn't know that she was one of the Golden Girls. I Although interestingly, there's... Estelle Getty is the second youngest of the four actresses. To who? She is. She is younger than B. Arthur, who plays her daughter. What? By a year. What? Uh, she's younger than Betty White, who I believe is the oldest, and uh, and ironically the last living. And uh, God, Betty White was the oldest in that show. She, she was. I think she best. was the oldest by months or yeah. something to B. Arthur. Like it was pretty close. Um, and Rue McClanahan was the youngest by about ten years or something. Wow, you gotta um, you gotta admit that's that's a pretty original premise for a show. It is, and I think at the time it was a tough sell. Yeah, I think I, bet. I think they were saying like no one on this show is going to be sexy. Well, try selling it today. Like it's still kind of a tough sell. Well, yeah, I mean Betty White might even still be on. I don't know if it's been canceled or not, but like right. you know, Hot in Cleveland. Yeah. you know that show. Like yeah. that is the same premise with better looking women. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so. It's it's. I mean, the show, the title, hot. We're hot in Cleveland. Yeah. You know. Um. So it's the. It, it, it's not a network concept. Yeah. And, Interestingly. And I feel like they're like weekend at burning Betty White around. Like <laughs> she is bare. She does not seem well. It seems like think? every line that she kind of delivers is like. I'm about to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it all has exactly the same lilt. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Remember a couple years ago when people just became obsessed with Betty White? Yeah, she while? had. There was there was a there was a, a Betty Assance. Yeah, her. she she returned. She hosted Saturday Night Live. Yeah, she got nominated for an Emmy for hosting Saturday Night Live. God damn. And she's a legend and a national treasure. 
Like, yeah, no I question. Guess. What did she do before Golden Girls? She was on Mary Tyler Moore oh, in the okay. 70s. Okay, that makes She that played makes Sue Ann, who was kind of the Rue McClanahan character. She played... So, uh, Mary Tyler Moore is a producer mm-hmm. at a local news station. Right. Um, the same TV station hosts a cooking show with Suzanne right. or Sue Ann. And so, they're kind of like friends, gal pals, and Sue Ann is like the horny old right. lady. Okay, gotcha. um, but she's been old forever. And she's still kind of old in that show too. And well, I mean, she's she's older than Mary Tyler she's Moore gone in her years because she's like ninety five now, right? Yeah, she's older than Mary Tyler Moore. Before that, she was she was just an actress or just kind of like a starlet. Yeah. Her husband, what was her husband's name? He hosted uh, Password, I think. Okay, one of those game shows that's right. like kind of iconic and. Sure. He died very young, and she's been widowed for like forty years and never remarried. She's always been an animal rights activist. And she's really? like, she's she's definitely entitled to a place in like the the throes of of Hollywood legend. Sure. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I don't have anything against Betty White. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna go I, on a limb here. I was, so I was Betty White's a bitch. I was curious as to why like everyone loved her, but that she's got yeah, she's got a huge history. And yeah. she seemed funny in that show. Well, and she's been around for all of television. Yeah, that's that's a good point. For all of it, she's been. In, she played. Uh, this is not like this is not a notch in her belt or anything, but she played Kitty's mom in that '70s show for a couple episodes. Oh yeah, and you can see that it works. And she's yeah. she's really mean in it. She plays nice. like a really mean grandma. That's good. Yeah, I like that. I like that '70s show. Anytime it's on, I try to try to watch it. For it's a bit. one of the last great studio audience sitcoms yeah definitely don't you always kind of root for topher grace because i always do i'm like what's he doing come out with a show what is he doing i don't know he was on the nerdist podcast about a year ago and i remember i remember thinking before i listened to it that he was probably going to come off standoffish and yeah. he didn't oh he was, no he was lovely cool um so you liked it yeah i, th- I think he's a c- cool artist like i don't know if he's ever going to be as big as he was again i haven't listened to nerdist in like a year oh that's too bad yeah it's still great i know i i for some reason when i first got into it there was some someone that hooked me in maybe it was like tom hanks yeah and i just wanted to listen to that well there's nothing i just started listening to shows that i wouldn't even necessarily want to listen to and really liking them my favorite episodes of you made it weird are people that i've never heard of before it save maybe like bo burnham or sure tim minchin or somebody who's especially fascinating speaking of that did you see the trailer for uh for crashing crashing i did it was good yeah really funny it looks like a judd apatow production yeah yeah, yeah, totally. The whole scene of him faking taking cocaine, he just blows the cocaine <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. Straw. Yeah, it was really funny. He has a cameo in Don't Think Twice. Yes, I figured he would. Yep. Um, Burbigs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where was I going? Oh, um, I was going to say, it's it's always good to discover a new podcast or that's new to you but has mm-hmm. been around for a long time because you can go back and listen yeah. to the, just exactly the ones you want to hear. Yeah. So, like, I started listening to Unqualified with Anna Ferris. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know about that. She's so fucking funny. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have listened to it except for that she was promoting her podcast on Nerdist. Really? And she just tapes it at her house with her friend. And no they get amazing guests. Really? And they do this really cool thing where uh, listeners email in their problems and then they call the listener on the podcast and they give advice. So like Chris Hardwick was on, they did a, a pod swap. Yeah. They did each other's podcast and they get talking about like really serious problems that the listeners are going through. Like somebody stalking me at work. Whoa. And anyway, I, I find her hilarious and I had no idea she was so funny. Oh yeah. I knew she was really funny. She was like in groundlings and stuff. And I think she's got like a big background in comedy. And then like, you got to think Chris Pratt probably hooks her up with a couple of guests every now and again. Like he's got ties with Denzel now. And- probably. I mean, everybody else. Yeah. You know, he's got he's in the MCU. He's going to be okay. Right. It's interesting when they got married, she was probably more famous than he was. Yeah, I think definitely. And now he's leading male yeah. action star. They must be so pumped about that both of them. Oh yeah. She, she almost Oh, the cat's just looking super mischievous from across the room. Colin just kicked her. Oh, she's I think she's knocked I out. Not. She's Can I tell you I think something she about might the cat? Be. Let, sure. me t- let me tell you something about Mia. Mm-hmm. So I've spent the better part of the last week terrified that Mia was going to die. Why? Because she just stopped eating. Oh. She just completely stopped eating. She, like, I, I, I bought Costco cat food because it's way cheap. Yeah. And 
she's eaten it before. She's gone through a whole like sleeping bag sized bag yeah. of Costco cat food before. And no problem. Normally she eats it too fast to taste it anyway. Right. And so she's on her second bag of that stuff. And she just stopped eating. But the weirdest thing is that she wasn't acting sick. Like, see how she's full of beans tonight? Yeah. She's like walking all over the place. And she, she's she been just as spry, mm-hmm. just as um, energetic, mm-hmm. just as playful, just as lovable. Like normally when cats are sick, they hide underneath the bed. Yeah. Like, because when cats think they're dying, they don't they want you to see them dying. Yeah. Um, so I've been like, I've, I haven't been, I haven't taken her to the vet because she was herself, but she was literally not eating anything. And so I bought her um, the more expensive food that I was previously buying her. Mm-hmm. I was like, fine, you win. I'll, if you're going to be a diva about your food, I'll spend the money on the food. Right. So that you'll eat. And I poured her a bowl of it and she ate a little bit, but like not enough. Yeah. Like not enough that I was like, what the, so I bought her canned wet food, which I never want to have in my house. Right. And she mowed down. Right. <laughs> so she was just holding up for something good. For the best thing possible. For the Wonka of cat food. And is it true that once you feed a cat wet cat food, they'll, they'll they like never, never go, back? go back? That's what I've heard. Yeah. I think you told me that probably. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have so much Costco cat food. Yeah. <laughs> I have so much of it. So, so how much is wet cat food more expensive, too? No, it's like 70, It's like 79 cents for two days worth oh, of food. Okay. Um, so it's it's maybe even less right. expensive yeah. than, certainly less than the grocery store brand stuff I was buying before. Right. Um, I don't mind. It's just stinky yeah, and unpleasant. It's so much easier for me to just keep like one of those cereal Tupperware things and just pour the little brown hard crumbs into a bowl mm-hmm. looks like cereal mm-hmm. so much easier for me yeah i and then the cat's breath kind of tastes like whatever the cat well cat's is. breath is always nasty it's always kind of weird yeah but i guess so is dog's breath so is dog's breath mm-hmm. yeah worse have we talked about how about my feelings about dog people and cat people on the podcast because i've definitely had that conversation with lots of people you've had the conversation with me and i heard you almost did you step in dog poop outside your uh studio yesterday <laughs> no how did you hear about that uh eugene oh really she was telling people that story no i i posted a picture of mason just lying in front of the studio door from down the hallway okay just like staring down the hall like lying down i love mason and i and i sent the picture to to eugene and i was like i was like just chilling and she said he's feeling super guilty because she left a, he left a present outside for sweets that's how i described it as well uh, okay it was a pretty sizable present oh my god it yeah, was he's large a pretty sizable dog <laughs> he is i love mason too and like i'm yeah. not again like i'm a cat person but i don't dislike dogs right inverse of what most dog people are like they Shh. seem to think they have to hate cats um he's a lovely dog and i love seeing him but i'm just i i'm a little annoyed that our work doesn't ask people Mm -hmm. like i've I've, like none of the dogs that come into our work really are a problem for me unless they use the bathroom in my workspace which has happened on a couple of occasions yeah and with a couple of different dogs yeah um if it's going to affect my work or it's going to make my being there unpleasant I'm not okay with it. But that happens very infrequently, so I don't really care. But I also don't like that the people bring in their dogs don't ask every person in our office first, is it okay if I bring in my dog? Because I may be really allergic to dogs. Nobody asked. Mm. And I'll tell you something else. Because of the way dog people are, if I brought Mia in, yeah. Somebody would complain to right. cat. Some, somebody have... would say, "I don't want, I don't want a cat in here." Yeah. But no. But because I mean, the bosses tend to be dog people. Again, it's okay. It's just kind of a principle. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like I would have liked to have been asked mm-hmm. before people brought in. Well, there's pets. at least there's at least one person in there that's severely, well, severely allergic. But they like definitely get really stuffed up. And really, sneezy. I don't, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Ow. Ah. Mia. <laughs> Stop it. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Just because just you don't want to eat your food doesn't mean you can eat Slaney. Eat my foot. <laughs> it's so startling for me when cats go after my foot, too. Well, she's always been especially obsessed with feet. When I went to get her in a rather dingy part of Dartmouth mm-hmm. through an ad I was responding to on Kijiji, yeah. they had given her shots. So I was, she was a $20 buy, and she was just a tiny little kitten. You remember when she was like yeah, like 10% of how big she is now? Yeah. The guy answered the door, this big black guy in a wife beater. Yeah. And he said, 
you can pick either one of these two. And and I was like, I picked Mia because she was like decidedly cuter. Yeah. And then, so yeah, I picked the cuter one and he said, well, this one lacks feet. <laughs> like, I like must he, have forgotten he had story. already learned that for sure. Yeah. And, and he wanted to warn me in case it was a deal breaker. Right. Oh, <laughs> this tiny kitten like speed. Ed. And it wasn't a deal breaker, but he was right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was not wrong. She goes after them. In your shoes too. She's obsessed with yeah. shoes. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. What happened to you, Mia? She's the soul of B. Arthur. Mm-hmm. I think. The f- the first place I saw B. Arthur was in the first season of Malcolm in the Middle, because I watched oh, that when I was yeah. pretty young. Um, there's, I think it's the first season finale. The family goes to, like, on a day trip to a water park of some kind, mm-hmm. but Dewey can't go because he has a sinus infection. So they hire B. Arthur as a babysitter. Yeah. And she comes over and she's very dry and very boring, and Dewey doesn't know how he's going to have fun with this lady until they discover together that they're both super fucking weird. (laughs) And so they, they count her button collection and they put on like a two hander where they sing Fernando by ABBA. (laughs) (laughs) And I forgot how weird he was in that. Dude, he was so weird. That's really funny. Yeah. What else? What other things did he do in that show? I thought he was just like a curious little kid, but he he was, it was discovered about halfway through the run that he was a musical prodigy. Okay. Like he, he discovered, I don't know, at school or somewhere that he was an amazing, like virtuosic piano player. Yeah. And they wouldn't buy him a piano. So he built a piano <laughs> in the garage. Played it. That was like a weird thing he did. Um, I think he also, like, you know how the early premise of the show was that Malcolm was put in a special class. Yeah. Like for gifted yep. uh, brainy kids. Mm-hmm. They also had uh, like the opposite of the gifted brainy kids. Right, they had like the special Reese. needs kid. Yeah. Um, Reese was not one of them, but Dewey was. Like they, they really like Dewey. Oh. They decided Dewey is basically has like a developmental disorder. And so they put him in with all these like mouth breathing, like crazy kids. And, uh, namely just because he was lazy and wasn't doing his work. Not because he was stupid mm-hmm. uh, or, 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 struggling in any way he just wasn't trying he wasn't applying himself and so when his other classmates discover that he's smarter than them by contrast he seems like a genius so they make him their god right and so he he accidentally incites a rebellion and all the kids climb a tree and they won't get out of the tree (laughs) i actually remember way more of this than i thought i would but yeah dewey was a weird side character (laughs) wow I'm going to have to go back and watch Malcolm Middle. What's it, Frankie Muniz doing now? Nothing. He retired. He retired. Yeah, there's like a there's a pretty famous internet story about some guy who tweeted once that it must suck to be Frankie Muniz to be like 21 and out of work. And he famously tweeted back that it doesn't suck when you have $45 million. Oh, nice. He he like, he actively said, if, if there's an acting job that comes up in the future that is offered to me and it's something I feel strongly about, then maybe I'll consider it. But I don't feel like I need to act anymore. Right. Okay. And so he's like really passionate about cars. Yeah, I and knew so, that. So he like, he races cars. Like he buys like race cars. Sure. And he sponsors drivers and stuff. Wow. So like, I think he makes some money doing that. Mm-hmm. But he did a, a Reddit AMA about a year ago. He was surprisingly cool. Yeah. And, and uh, some people floated the idea of a reboot and he, he very humbly said, well, it's only unlikely because of how enormously famous Brian is now. Right. But like if it was something he was open to and he's certainly still a wonderful guy, I would jump at the opportunity to be with those people again. Like he was just really cool. cool. Yeah. And people feel very strongly about that show too. Yeah. that's yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting that people feel that strongly about that show. They do. Yeah. Maybe I was just like a little bit past it when it, well, no, when it, when it was at its peak, I watched it a good amount. And then, it wasn't for kids. And then I kind of just fell out of it. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. And they also kind of, I think they kind of departed from their format, which was this show about a kid who was normal right. in the loony bin that was his family. Mm-hmm. Or you could kind of look at it through, he was just a regular kid 
everyone else around him seemed crazy and we were looking at them through right. through yeah. Malcolm's I think, eyes. I think that's what I took away from it. And I think that, I think both work. Yeah. Both are cool. Con- I mean, that's kind of speaks directly to the title Malcolm in the middle. He's in the middle of all this chaos right. or just in the middle of, of youth, which is mm-hmm. awkward. But about halfway through the run, they made Malcolm as nuts as the rest of them. Yeah. And he started doing really fucked up really stuff too. Really weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I caught a show later on and was like, wait a second, what's happening in this show now? Yeah. Yeah. He becomes like a criminal like the rest yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the first like three seasons were really huge. Have we said everything we needed to say about those shows? I feel like we didn't say a lot. I know, but I don't know how much there is to say. I, I oh, don't have a whole lot about it. I have a really good Golden Girls fact. Okay. Apparently the Queen Mum was yeah. such a big Golden Girls fan in like the early, in the late 80s when it was on. She was an enormous Golden Girls fan yeah. that she wrote letters to each of the four actresses, invited them to her castle yeah. to perform an episode for her live. And, and they did it. They did it? <laughs> so they flew to London and they performed an original episode about the Golden Girls going to London. No. So it was like meta and they performed it for the Queen Mum. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? That's really awesome. I know. <laughs> I can't believe the Queen was so passionate about any. The Queen Mum. Is that not the Queen? Elizabeth's mother. Oh. Was, gotcha. She was technically the Queen until her husband died right. and then her daughter became the queen right okay wow crazy yeah throw back to the crown yeah which becky finished by the way did she like it yeah she did i think a lot of people really like it, it after watching the first episode i was like i would watch another one for i sure. would definitely watch another it was i was very... talking to the girl who was cutting my hair tonight I was asking like have you seen the crown i was like yeah i saw the first episode and i kind of liked it this honestly i think the podcast is making me like really talkative about she was like, you watching any good shows? And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you just opened up a can of worms. Where do you get your haircut? Because my place just closed. I just go to Helen's up the street. From here? No, from the station. Okay. But you can easily go there like after work. It's You never have to wait for a haircut. I, I can walk in. I don't have to make an you appointment. You can walk in anytime. You can walk in at cool. lunch and get like, you walk in at lunch or after work. Like, I guess it's more impressive that you could just walk in after work at like five o'clock and get a haircut. Yeah, I'm not done work until like seven. But I could go on lunch. Yeah. Yeah, go on lunch. Or I can go before work. Yep. It's open 9 to 7 most weekdays. Oh, that would work. I'll just go before work. Yeah. Great, because I need a new place. My place closed. Yeah. And yep. my my regular hairdress, hairdresser, Martine, she's on baby leave, ah, which baby sucks leave. for her. So I won't know where, know where to find her when she's back to work. <laughs> you should have asked for a number. How could they have done this to me? I don't know. I The fact that they were so obtuse is quite frankly obtuse yeah sorry i'm getting to that point in the show i was at that point at the start yeah. actually I think this has been a good episode though. okay yeah i think it was good I, I i think you should use the there's a clip of family guy really making a joke about how fast they talk in gilmore girls okay and and it's like it's like a 10 second clip they've done really they've funny. done sorkin too yeah the walk and talk yeah All right, I'll see if I can find something like that. I hope I don't get in trouble for taking clips from other people's shows. Yeah. I'd take that as as a positive problem. Unless unless, someone's paying attention. Unless Jamie Harper rats us out (laughs) or that B. Arthur artist. Yes, (laughs) the B. Artist. Yeah, I'm going to tweet him today's episode. Never trust the B. Artist. Never trust the B. Artist. Never trust Will Smith. Mm -hmm. And never go outside. Peace.